Limitless Roofing Podcast, episode number 27. Welcome to Limitless Roofing CEO Show. My name is Dylan McCabe, and in every episode, we give you a seat at the table as we interview owners and CEOs of roofing companies and industry experts so that you can gain the strategies you need to take your own company to the next level. And in this episode, I talk with the Chief Operating Officer of Cornerstone Construction. Now, at the time of the recording of this podcast, they are up to seven locations. They are crushing it. You're going to hear about their onboarding strategy, their training strategy, what they call the race to 15 sales uh, representatives at each location, and how they want to have a company that's doing at least $10 million a year at every residential, mostly residential roofing location. We're going to get in deep. Now, if you want to catch the live stream of this when we do it live and get some feedback and questions and answer time, you need to join our Facebook group. Just search for the Limitless Roofing CEO group in Facebook and you can join this live. All right. And if you haven't done so before we get into the podcast, definitely consider our roofing CEO groups. We have limited seating every year, but we bring owners and CEOs of roofing companies together in peer groups, kind of like a mastermind, but smaller and very structured. We actually go through the entire EOS system. If you don't know what that is, just do a Google search for EOS worldwide. You will be really impressed at the business strategy system they offer. And I'm actually an authorized EOS implementer. We work it out in our roofing CEO groups. It is unlike anything else you can get an interaction that's top-notch and a business structure and a strategy to get you to where you can get what you want out of your business with the right processes and planning. It's incredible stuff. So just check it out in our Facebook group or you can go to our website, limitlessceogroup.com, and you can schedule a discovery call today. All right, guys, let's get into this discussion with Brad Barron, COO of Cornerstone Construction. All right, we're live with our special guest today, Brad Barron. He's the CEO of Cornerstone Construction. He's got some really cool stuff to share today. So, Brad, thanks for joining the show, man. Thanks, man. Glad to be here. COO. It's not a, not a CEO, but COO. Um, but uh, yeah, no worries. Um, super excited to be here. Uh, uh, yeah, excited to, to share some stuff today and chat with you. Yeah, the way this started was I think you had left some comments on something in a post I made inside of our, our Limitless Roofing CEO group. And I thought, wow, this guy's got he's, he has feedback for operations, feedback for processes. And I, I think I threw a question out there like, what's what's the biggest challenge or something? I don't know. But you commented, and I thought, hey, would you like to be on our show? You have really good feedback. And then as we talked, you let me, you know, you shared your story and now you're the COO of Cornerstone Construction, which for those of you listening, that's the company that uh, Hunter Ballou owns. Hunter also founded RoofCon. Cornerstone Construction is up to seven locations at the time of the recording of this podcast. Very successful business, really a good template for how to be successful in the roofing industry and how to scale to multiple locations. So, I was really excited to have Brad on, and we're going to get into the best advice for scaling and growing well. We're going to get into what you call the race to 15 salesmen. We're going to unpack how scaling depends on solid processes and stuff like that. So before we dig into all that, Brad, if you could just kind of share your background, how did you get into this business? Yeah, man. So um, came back from a um, deployment in um, late 2017, deployed to to the Horn of Africa and um, came back and, and got a job in early 18 um, with Home Depot Exteriors. So that was an outside sales position, a division that Home Depot had at the time doing roofing, siding, gutters, windows, and um, like attic insulation and stuff. And um, so was sitting in customers' homes, 100% retail didn't work with any insurance, which is obviously a huge part of the roofing industry at large. Um, and so, yeah, didn't, I mean, I didn't know how to read an insurance scope or do anything. It was kind of an interesting um, thing. You know, I come, I come tell you, Hey, you know, Mr. McCabe, I've got this $14,000 roof. You can buy and insurance is going to save you 10. Isn't that great? It's still going to cost you four or five though. Um, and as you can imagine, that was really hard to sell against and um, still did okay. But, but Home Depot ended up, I think, as a whole, it was hard to sell against the, the restoration industry and they shut the whole division down in February of 19. Um, and I left just a couple months before that in December. 
went to work for a local restoration company that had come and done my roof actually. So they came and knocked on the door and I said, well, Hey, you know, I'm selling roofing. I know what I'm looking for. I'm knowing what I want to see installed and things like that. And so I'm going to make sure they do it right. I don't really care who does it since I can watch them. Um, and so that kind of introduced me to the restoration industry, um, ended up going to work for them and man, it was just a, um, was everything, this company was everything stereotypical, um, about the roofing industry. So dude in a back office, it's, it's smoke filled and he's got his like leather jacket on and his hair slicked back and a pinky ring. And, um, I mean, hundred percent Chuck in a truck, but I didn't know it at that point. And, um, but it gave me a lot of room to start watching videos from folks like Becca and Adam Benson and, and, and things like that. And, um, start learning stuff on YouTube and say, well, why aren't we doing this supplement process? Or why are we taking money for trades that we're not doing? Because we're just saying, you just give us all the insurance money. That's how this works. And, um, and so that really started, um, kind of my learning and really digging in. And, and I think it's really paid off because, um, even as like a, a, a salesman starting out, I started really digging into what's the higher level knowledge that goes into doing this and how do we, how do we do this the right way? Um, and how do we, you know, get the most value out of it? How do we make it as profitable as possible? Um, and so, yeah, and then actually left the industry, went to language school with the army in 2019 to learn to speak Arabic, um, took a position, um, with joint special operations command on Fort Bragg in early 2020, um, that fell through with COVID and, and partially COVID and partially just um, some personalities and things like that. And that, that position just didn't work out. And so then I was kind of scrambling, honestly, like, like COVID had hit, you know, nobody knows what's going to happen. Um, came across a post um, from, from Cornerstone, like m- one of my cousins is real good friends with a girl here and um, shared a post and Hunter and I started talking and it kind of just went from there, man. Just um, we spent two or three months kind of talking to each other, went and launched the Little Rock Market for Cornerstone, got it up to scale um, pretty quickly and and really got it humming. And then just as we, you know, or as Hunter, I guess, and, and at the time started looking at, you know, how do we structure the company for future growth and what makes sense? Um, you know, I got, you know, honored enough to, to get asked to step up and, and kind of take a different role, obviously. And um, and that kind of brings us to where, where we're at right now, I guess. Yeah. So there's so much I want to highlight about that, but let's let's just jump on some main points here. You got into the industry working through Home Depot, then you go and work for this company that you know it's a it's a stereotypical almost to the extreme yeah. scenario of a and roofing even, owner. Even that I didn't mention, like this dude had done as we got into it, had done 16 months for a kickback scheme in New Orleans on some contracts, and that's what that's what sent him to Little Rock. I think ultimately, like I mean, so yeah, just on and on the, the stereotype. But anyways, yeah. wonderful, yeah. right? Why are you expanding in different markets? Well, because I'm a criminal in the last. Yeah, one. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, so, but you start learning about the storm restoration industry. You've got an inquisitive mind and you're, you're entrepreneurial um, enough to think about how to grow a business. And yeah. so you're thinking, how do we do this? Well, how do we incorporate that? Why aren't we doing this? You're starting to think that way. And then through some connections, you meet, you meet, you come across Hunter's path. Now, the cool thing about Hunter is he's, so, he's got so much, he's got a lot of irons in the fire, but he's also accessible. Yeah, sure. And he he's a very relational guy, so high relationally as a leader, makes him such a strong leader. But for people listening to this, they're thinking, OK, Brad got a job at a very successful roofing company. And then Brad got the opportunity to go basically be over a branch over one of those seven locations. So what did that conversation look like? I mean, obviously, you've got experience um, in the military. You've got experience in Home Depot. And thank you for your service, by the way. Yeah. Um, so what did that look like? How did you kind of sell yourself to the owner of a roofing company? Because there's a lot of sales guys listening to this going, well, yep. I'd love to run a branch, but how yep. do I get that opportunity? Yep. So I think um, you hit a couple of things right on the head. You know, when you look at Hunter being relational and like his passion for developing people and giving people opportunities, his passion for moving with speed. Um, you know, he talks like the the idea of, you know, fail fast. Um, whatever, whatever it is you're going to do, do it quickly. And if it doesn't work out, then iterate and do it again. Right. And so that's his mentality for sure. Um, and that's, you know, kind of keys in, we taught relational and building people and mentoring goes right into RoofCon and revolts and, and all that kind of stuff. It's just a passion of his. Um, but yeah, like, um, it started with a Facebook message. I mean, I was out doing some handyman work with a guy. That's kind of what I was doing to pay the bills after getting let go from that other job. And, 
um, sent Hunter a message one day on May 9th, um, sent him a message. 15 minutes later, he responds and says, hey, brother, what's a good number to call you on? Um, and so that was our first phone call that day. About five minutes in, he said, well, why aren't you just starting your own company? Like, why are you, why aren't you just do this? And I was like, well, I could, I've thought about it. I've got a logo drawn up. I've got some ideas, but, um, I, I said, man, I just, the licensing and the backend admin and the insurance and like, like I want to lead and I would love to do something, but I, I don't know that for me, I care about having my name on it. You know, like I just, if, if I can have my own office and I can build a team and I can lead guide and direct, like that's enough for me, you know, I don't need the headache of everything else. And, um, and so we talked a little bit. I came down to Greenville Road with a couple guys. We talked some more. Um, and then I actually went to Colorado to work with another buddy that was starting a company in Denver. Um, I had worked with him between um, language school and North Carolina. And so for just like a couple months, I met this guy and worked out there. He was starting his own company. So I went to work with him in June of um, 2020. And I honestly, like... Hunter says, well, hey, you know, because I've kind of, I was like, man, if you never messaged me back, I don't know this would have happened. But he said, well, hey, you took the risk first. So yeah, okay, I messaged Hunter first. But honestly, I got inside my head and uh, was like, man, this this guy, he started this $10 million roofing company. He's got this national conference he does. He's like 29 years old. I've just lost my job. I'm trying to pay the bills. I don't, I don't need to bother this guy, you know, but, and, and all of a sudden while I'm in Colorado, he reaches back out to me and says, Hey, how's life? Um, and it kind of went from there. Like we spent the next couple of days talking about Little Rock more, um, because I said, you know, that's where I was before we left school. That's where I know the market. That's already a cruise I can call. I know the distributors and, you know, had all these relationships and, um, I know some guys I can hire right off. And, um, that's just what made sense. I mean, we just spent, he invited me to a sales retreat that he did with a cornerstone team in mid July, um, which is July, like ninth through the 12th. And a week later we were in Little Rock launching the market. Um, and so I think the conversation was just, you know, to salesmen that are out there yourself, if you can, you know, you understand adjuster meetings and you can walk on the roof and pick out items that need to be supplemented and you know how to correctly read a scope and break it down and take the right money and not the wrong money. Um, if you have trained other guys that have come after you and you've helped build them up to help them understand, um, and you've got a, a city, um, you know, you want to go launch a market and your owners, I think it's just impressing upon them that you know what you're talking about. I don't think you have to be a million dollar salesman. And that honestly is one of my biggest pet peeves in this industry is companies that um, the default mode is that, oh, let's take our million dollar producer and turn him into a manager. Just because that guy can sell has no bearing on his ability to lead. Now, there are plenty of good salesmen that may be able to lead, but they are one does not equal the other, right? Like that dude may be a killer on the doors. Um, but if he's not willing to take the time to mentor and train other people, then he has no business being a manager and you're just cutting yourself off because now you've taken him away from selling. Right. So there goes all your revenue. So, um, yeah, just, just that's, I get on a bit of a soapbox about that. Cause I, I think you just see it in a lot of companies where that's just the default guy. And maybe he's excited about it. Maybe he thinks he's ready for it, but if you're not, doing some actual analysis and you're just like, Oh yeah, he sold a million dollars this year, a million and a half. That that doesn't mean he's your actual leader, you know? So. No, that's good. That's really good stuff. And you, you cut out for a minute there, but um, yeah, I think, I think that's something that happens a lot. You take these guys that are pure hunters and you turn them into managers. Yep. <laughs> you take somebody out of a situation where they're really using their unique ability, and uh, it's just not good. So, mm-hmm. so for for getting into what you do now, and obviously Hunter is the owner of the company, having a lot of employees, he could size up your your past experience, your proven leadership, along with your personality and your wiring. Now he 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 assessed that it was it was worth taking a risk on you to go start a market. So. You started a market, and I know you guys are very uh, strategic. I know you and I talked about how you guys had a week-long leadership uh, meeting there where you had your whole leadership team. You guys are going through everything from compensation plans to sales strategies to numbers to goals, all that stuff. You guys are very strategic. You're a great model of, of how to build a successful company. And so let's get into kind of the three major things I want to get in into w- with you on this show. And I've got my notes here over on the right. 
And one of the things uh, we talked about was how the best advice, I said, what's your best advice for anybody that wants to scale and grow? And you answer with a few things. You talked about that leadership planning week, organization structure, bonus structure, and so forth. But let's get into that. What's the best advice you have for other companies listening now? You're the COO of Cornerstone. What If you had five minutes with them, what would you say? Um, yeah, I think, um, so I, if, if I, if I'm curious, if I said, here's the best piece a few weeks ago, if I would say the same thing now or not, if I remember exactly what the same thing was. Um, but I think that, um, I think there's a handful of things that are key, but I think the number one is like understanding the backend data and processes, which is still maybe not um, an exact single thing. Do you lose, did, you, did your pods die or am I out? I'm good. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, I think understanding um, what your numbers are and what your um, metrics are to get you to success. Like how do you, how do you reckon like really broad um but like some of the things we talked about you know we we know what our average roof is worth we know what we expect a salesman to sell in a month you know we know what the minimum quantity is so in turn we know how many salesmen we've got to have in a market in order to hit the revenue goals for that market and so um doing that back end diligence and it's not even super tight numbers it's fairly rough like but it's but it's again we know you know, we can pull from our CRM. Here's the average contract price, you know, year over year. Um, and, and then divide that out across how many per month per salesman. And then, okay, how many salesmen do we need in a market? Um, and then you definitely have got to have the repeatable processes. I mean, that's, if you, if you don't have a training process that translates into a new market with guys or girls that, that, don't know anything about you yet, then you, you can't jump off that cliff and go into a new market. I mean, how are you, how are you going to, you know, essentially franchise what you've done in your primary market into a new one? Um, if, if you don't have that stuff codified and written down somewhere. Um, so I think those are, are, are two of the biggest things. Yeah. So let's, let's camp out on that. And for those of you watching live, my AirPod pros decided to disconnect. And so I couldn't hear Brad. So now I've got my big chunky headphones on, but, um, what, We've had a lot of questions inside the Limitless uh, CEO Facebook group, and a lot of the questions have been around the same topic, which is, how do you find good people? How do you hire good people? Or I'll post when I invite new members to the group, I'll say, what's your biggest challenge in business today? And they'll say, finding and keeping the right people. So kind of talk about as as far as your structure, I know you guys are very intentional about going through all the things that you need to go through for annual planning. Yep. But how do you do hiring? What has worked for you guys and what has not worked for you guys? Yep. Yeah. So um, what we're doing is um, we, we have an ad. We use ZipRecruiter as the platform. Um, is, and, and I think that um, just compared to maybe Monster or Indeed or you know Facebook or whatever, we just we feel like the, the, the value of, of folks that are on there, maybe it's I don't know if it's a socioeconomic group or whatever, you know, if, if different websites market themselves or kind of get picked up by different crowds and, and the kind of what's the, what's the average you see of folks using that site and that platform to find jobs. Um, we feel like ZipRecruiter works well for us. Um, but then it's a very intentional funnel. So when they um, apply on ZipRecruiter, there's then another site that we direct them to as a part of our recruiting funnel. There's some videos there, a personality test, a phone screen, and then um, and then a, a face-to-face after that, if everything else is is still falling into place. And that's some insight into that um, with some of our masterminds and stuff with without saying necessarily like too much about it. But um, but yeah, it's it's the the key is that not necessarily what the specifics of it are, but that it's a funnel. I think that's the the, the key thing is that where it's not every single person that applies on whatever site you're using, but if they haven't taken those extra two or three steps that tell them about the job, by the time they watch those videos, a number of those objections have already been dealt with, right? It's a 1099. We don't have a lot of benefits to offer you. You got to use your own vehicle, you know, and, and we have 
we have options past that. Like we have a truck program and things like that, but initially, right. You're driving your own vehicle. Um, but we talk through all that. We talk, you got to knock doors, you got to do it, you know? And so if, if they still proceed to sign up with the phone screen and want to talk to somebody, um, at that point, they already know a good bit about the job. And so that filters out a lot of time that we're not having to waste on people, um, that just saw an ad that said, Hey, you can make 90 to a hundred thousand dollars a year selling roofs. Um, because every Yahoo that, you know, that thinks they can do it is going to apply to that. Right. Cause that's a lot of money and, and you can make that kind of money. Um, but there's some catches, right? It's 1099. You got to have your own vehicle. You got to knock doors. Um, you're going to be outside. Um, you guy can't be afraid of heights, you know, whatever the case may be. And so, um, yeah, I think that's the that's the key is having that funnel there is huge for hiring with us. And then obviously once you get them in, again, if you don't have the training and the systems and the processes to back that up and to make them want to stay, and if your corporate culture doesn't want make them want to stay, well then then it's it's not so much an uh, uh, attraction but retention problem, right? I mean that you start, you know, was it not the right person or did you not have the right stuff in place to retain a guy that could have been a killer? Um, you know, is it, is it them or is it you, you know, and, and if, if you're constantly having a problem, um, I mean, it's, it's just like a dating relationship, right? If you're, if you're always the one that's, that's having relationship problems and everybody else around you is getting hitched, uh, maybe it's you instead of them. And so, um, if you just can't retain people rather than thinking that the 50 people that came through your office in the past year were not a good fit, maybe you got some stuff to work on, you know? Right. It's like that song. I'm looking at the man in the mirror. Yeah, right? exactly. You know, exactly. if you've got more problems with everybody else than you do yourself. Yeah. You, you and it's not to say it's not surmountable. It, you know, again, it, it may not be anything that's wrong with your personality. You may care about people and you may be a great person of integrity and whatever. But but if you just don't know how to design training or you don't know how to communicate it to other people or, or create a repeatable process or um, or it's not that you don't have the money to pay your people. You're not stealing from them, but you don't know how to manage cash flow to where you can get commissions to them or whatever the problem is that, that you're having issues with, whether it's joining a mastermind, whether it's, you know, buying into some training program or whatever, um, you know, getting on some coaching calls or something. Again, it may be you like that's maybe there's something you need to step up to um, to help line out that side of your business. If you just can't seem to find any success getting people on, you know. Definitely. And we all, we all need to develop as leaders. You never arrive. We're all a mixture of our character, our vision, our skills, and the health of our relationships. And so that's that's something like important to say too, like, okay, we have RoofCon and we have Revolt and we're at a point where we're teaching other roofing companies how to do it. But Hunter will buy into a training program faster than almost anyone. I mean, we've got Ryan Groth, we've got Becca Switzer, we've got Dale Childers, we've got Sam Taggart. So we're doing a lot of stuff on our own now, now that we've reached this point, but we, we didn't just get here by just knowing how to do this. Right. Like that's, he's spent a lot of time investing into those programs and a lot of money investing into those to get this company to where it's at and to equip the sales team with everything they need to be successful. And that's, that's something we tell guys in interview too. We give you all the tools, training, um, and, and support to, to make a hundred thousand dollars a year, but we can't give you the work ethic. Like you got to, we'll give you everything you can, but we cannot give you work ethic. Um, and we want to be able to say that if you quit on us and when you walk out the door, we want to be able to sleep at night, confident that we gave you absolutely every opportunity to be successful. And you, you let yourself fail that, that you, you chose not to do it. Um, and because it keeps us up, I mean, I, you know, we've already gone through a couple guys in the Little Rock market. We've retained most of them since, you know, we hadn't been there all that long. But but Hunter will tell you, it, it keeps him up nights when a guy quits. You know, I mean, it's such an opportunity and we feel like there's there is great money to be made and, and a great culture. And so when a guy just quits on us um, or can't make it work, it's it's you know, we get in our feels about it a little bit. It's frustrating. Like, what did we miss? Um, you know, that, that didn't make it successful for that guy. So, yeah. So let me ask you this question, because this is something a lot of people deal with. And I've heard this from pretty much every owner I've talked to at length about their sales guys. How do you retain sales guys and how do you keep from hiring guys that think, well, I've been doing this for about two years and I'm 
pretty easy to run the numbers. If I were off on my own, I would be making a lot more money. And then you lose one of your best sales guys. So how do you do that? How do you retain that talent or what's your, you know, I don't want to, we don't need to camp out on this for the next 10 minutes, but I'm just really curious how you guys deal with that challenge. On the one hand, um, we obviously want to retain those guys and whether or not we're looking at, um, kind of the ancillary benefits, the truck program, the, you know, clothing and iPads and retreats and, you know, all the stuff that, that hopefully makes it worth it beyond just the basic commission. Um, and then the, the second thing we do <clears throat> is um, we instituted a team leader program. So it's something that, that hunters developed and started last year. Um, once you're kind of, you know what you're doing, you've been on for three, four five months, you can start getting guys under you and making 2% off of them. Um, so now if I'm a million dollar salesman making a percentage in a hundred thousand dollars a year, and then I've got five guys under me that are each million dollar guys, that's another hundred K now I'm making 200. Well, okay. Maybe it looks a lot less, you know, attractive to go again, just like me take on that headache of starting a new company. Like I'm making plenty of money. I've got some quote unquote passive income. Cause once that guy is trained, I'm still, I'm still earning from him. Right. And, um, and so, yeah, so that's a, I think a big thing for us to have that. But then on the other hand, like I would say, even with all that, we do that to retain, but I think we're also okay. Like, look, man, like we want to foster an entrepreneurial spirit and we want you to, to set your own sales. And ultimately, whether it's, um, roofing or another business, if you come here and you learn and you grow and for you, that's starting your own thing. Like we're okay with that too. Like, you know, like we, we want people that want to be here and, um, you know, it's, it's something I I had a, an army mentor tell me this, you know, as a young Lieutenant, like give, give the other guys everything you can that, that, that you've developed, you know? So as we're developing products in the military for briefings or training or whatever, right. You're technically competing with all the other lieutenants with you to get promoted to the next rank or the next position or whatever, who cares? Like give them everything because it's mine and I'm still going to be better than you're going to be. Like I'm going to do my thing better than you're going to do it. And, and if I give it to you, it just causes me to iterate and have to get better again. Right. So that product was old, that strategy or that, that tool was old. Now I just got to come up with a better one, you know? And, and so it constantly pushes you to get better as well. That's good. I mean, that kind of servant leadership where you truly are focused on empowering and equipping others is going for most people. All that's going to do is create more loyalty. So I just love that because those guys are going to they're they're going to want to stay to be part of a great culture, to be part of a great program where there is upward mobility, where there is incentive. There's also a great culture. There's trust there. There's there's a lot of good things happening there. And it's hard to go recreate that. I mean, just because somebody does sales at Cornerstone doesn't mean they can go create a mere example of Cornerstone. There's a lot of things you guys are doing really well that create that unique experience. So, well, let's get into the, to another thing we talked about, which was the race to 15 sales. You guys have clearly, you you haven't only moved in one other market or two other markets at the time of the recording of this episode, you're in seven markets and you're doing it well. And one of the things you told me, the big challenge is, is processes start to break when you scale. Yep. So first I want to ask you, what are the processes that you guys really focus on so that they don't break? And then next we'll get into what's that race to 15 like. Yep. Yeah. So with processes breaking, I mean, again, it's like, you know, if you've got, you've got the person in the office that does, um, onboarding, right. And they, you know, filling out paperwork or, um, taking photos for a business card or email signature, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, and we saw that like even with our first couple markets, only an hour and a half, two hours out of Greenville, you know, they didn't necessarily break. Right. But once we launched Little Rock and we're 10 hours away, well, now those people can't drive back to Greenville to onboard. And that's that's what we were still doing. Like they were they were coming from those markets an hour and a half away. Take a day, go to Greenville, fill out your paperwork, get your photos, get some shirts, do all this uh, and then drive back. And um, and so, yeah, figuring out what processes do you have in place right now that are going to break when you're more than a few hours away? And, and how does that look? Is it, you know, what do you digitize? What gets done maybe locally at the new market um, and, and all that. So I think that's all stuff that's critical to think through um, before you launch into that market and find out, okay, we're here and 
crap, we can't, we can't do any business because we forgot this step or that step, you know, like this, we don't have access to our CRM or access to email or shirts to go out in or business cards or whatever. And so, um, I think that's all stuff to look at. And then, yeah, the, the race to 15. So again, it goes back to looking at, um, what's our revenue goal for a market, um, which for us, it's it kind of philosophically is is ten million dollars a market in revenue. That's that's where we want to be. Um, obviously, that can vary. You know, we'll see over time each market cities are larger or smaller and things like that. You know, your mix of commercial or residential, retail versus insurance. But that's kind of our our philosophical goal. Um, and so, if we take ten million, we divide it out by the average value of the jobs that we're doing. Um, and then we divide that out by our, our minimum goal for each salesman each month, which is five roofs. Um, and that puts us at 15 salesmen in a market is what, what gets us to $10 million. And so basically when we launch a new market, that's kind of the mandate for that branch manager. That's their first rock is to, to start hiring those guys on and get to 15, uh, as quickly as possible. Yep. Now you threw out a word there called rock. So yeah. that makes me that that means you're you guys are running on EOS. Yeah. So let's get so process begin to break if you don't scale. What's before we move on to the race of 15? What's the best advice you can give for somebody listening that says we've got two locations, we want to scale to a third that is going to be a 10-hour drive or whatever? What's the best piece of advice you could give them of a free uh, not a free, but a tool or a resource they should look into? I think, I think it's not even something to look at. I think it's creating a checklist. I think it's going yeah. down, like, like just like creating a, you know, you know, again, to borrow my, my world military for 15 years, it's, it's a D minus 90, D minus 60, D minus 30, like, you know, 90 days out, we need to start getting, if it's a different state, right. We need the license in that state. We need to incorporate, we need the residential builders license or commercial, whatever it's going to be, the general contractor, um, we need to make sure we update our workman's comp and general liability to cover multiple states. We need to order business cards. We need to get with a commercial, you know, real estate broker, whatever, you know, whatever it is at 90, 60, 30. Um, and then, you know, what do we need to take with us? A, a packing list of yard signs and, um, shirts and hats and, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, and then obviously you got to look at your budget. Like we, we look at, probably 30 to 40,000 to launch a market. Um, by the time you buy shirts and hats and the initial business cards, lease an office, buy some furniture, that's kind of, kind of where we found, um, that we're at. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's the biggest thing is that it's a lot of things. And so you need a list, like come up with a list so that again, you don't get there and you're twiddling your thumbs because you know, crap, we forgot to do whatever and we can't actually go sell anything, you know? That's good stuff. I love the analogy of the military, too, because the military runs off of standard protocols for everything. And all that is is a decision that's made in advance. Uh, You know exactly how you want something done. So I really like that. So you mentioned also with the race to 15, I love that you guys, you're, you're beginning with the end in mind. You know that to reach 2 million, you really need 15 sales guys on average doing five jobs a month. One of our members in our Facebook group asked a question and said, what does your commission structure look like? Is it 10% off the top and then split the profit or, you know, how much can you share about that? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's something that, um, I don't think there's any issues sharing it because I think, I think Hunter's probably talked about it at RoofCon and stuff. Um, so we do a 12%. Um, and, and, you know, I think that, um, for a 10 50 50 model, I think you'll see again in, in some of these various Facebook groups, kind of um, a number of the larger companies that would talk about the 10 50 50 is um, potentially not leaving enough for the company. I guess it depends on what you do with that other 50%. Obviously, if the owner puts it in his pocket and that's how he gets paid over the course of the year, then you're absolutely not leaving enough for a company to scale to multiple markets and grow with trucks and, and grow the brand and, and your reach and things like that. Right. Um, it's just 10% is not going to be enough. Um, I worked under a 10 50 50 originally, um, when I started in the industry and was averaging what probably closer to like 15, 16%. So you're talking three to four points right there. Um, you know, there's a lot of overhead that could go into that three to four points right there. Right. And, um, but again, we're paying 2% to a team leader. And then we also branch managers can get one to 2% depending on their numbers. So we're still at that 15 ish total on a job. Um, but it's spread out. And if you're a team leader, 
making 12% plus two, well, you're 14 anyways. It's just somebody else's two, right? So again, we're kind of in that range, um, but but we want to kind of frame it a different way. We want to set it up where um, guys are motivated to be leaders. That's that's the point of the whole team leader thing. Again, maybe it keeps them from doing their own thing, but we also want everybody to have the opportunity to lead and to learn how to lead people and to learn how to develop others. Um, and and there's just obviously not enough management positions to do that, right? And so having that team leader role allows for that. But um, straight up, 12, 12 on self-generated, 8% on company-generated. So. Gotcha. Yeah, there's. I'm just warning you. You're going to get a lot of follow up questions about this as we when we this video is going to be recorded in our Facebook group forever. But um, another question asked: Somebody said, "Do you start new sales guys at the same pay rate as seasoned guys?" Yeah, so we do, um, and we're looking at doing some different stuff with like, do we want to bring guys on as canvassers and things like that? So we're we're kind of rolling that out for 2021. Um, and and again, there's another opportunity to feed your 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 seasoned sales guys that are taking the time to train someone and mentor them. Um, and it also gets that canvasser lots of reps on the doors in the first 30, 45 days, just helping that PM set appointments and things like that. Um, and then once they get through their training and they've generated um, a certain amount of leads, qualified leads, they can move to that project manager position. And that's the goal. Like we're still hiring project managers. We're not we're not hiring for a full-time canvas position. Um, but, but we are looking at, at, at having them start out as that. Yeah. So let's get into, let's get into another aspect of all this. And I, I just love how you've highlighted culture is coming out a lot in this processes, systems, and even what you said about the commission, you know, the, the 10 50 50 deal is okay. Probably if you've got a couple of sales guys in one location, but when you want to bring in the economies of scale and all that that entails, Oh boy, that's going to be challenging. So I think a lot of people, yeah. find that out by experience. It, what it, I mean, I think what it comes down to is you've got a hundred points on every job, right? And you got to know how many points are going to material, how many points are going to labor, how many points are going to the sales guy? How many points are going to overhead? And what's your net profit? And if it's a 10, 50, 50, it's hard to kind of ever figure out how many points the sales guy's getting. I mean, on one job, he's getting eight or nine because that job didn't hit, um, which I guess, okay, kind of protects the company in a job that didn't hit well. Uh, but we also have a 40% profit limit. So we kind of insulate ourselves there. You, you can't get more than 40% of the total profit on the job. So if it's just a terrible job where you sell retail too low, there's kind of that there's a backstop. Um, but yeah, that's, it's hard to figure out what's my planning factor if it's a 10, 50, 50, because I, I mean, on this job, he may get 18 or 19% on this job, he gets 11%. Like what, how do I plan long-term, you know? That's so good. And I know a lot of this too, it comes from you guys taking the time to have a strategic leadership team meeting to talk about goals and stuff like that. I also know Hunter is really big on hiring the right people, having the right people in the right seat. And he did a video where I saw him talking about your CFO and his prior experience and stuff like that. So that's good stuff. So let's talk about how the, you you mentioned rocks and I know you guys have started to incorporate EOS. So going from what you went through in the military and knowing a lot about processes and systems, and now that's your, that is your role. I mean, you are the guy over operations, Tell us about how you guys leverage EOS to to help your business thrive. Yeah, so it's huge. I mean, we are in the early stages of it. We um, we actually did our vision day this week. Um, and so we, we sat down and it was kind of interesting because like, you know, we did like the, that comment that I posted a few months ago or a month and a half ago. And it kind of started off this whole conversation was um, kind of what we had sat down and done. It was kind of like a vision day, like an initial like looking at what's 2021 look like and um, what does our corporate structure need to change to what, you know, what programs do we want to roll out? What are our biggest issues right now? Um, and we weren't maybe calling them rocks at that point and we didn't have, you know, visionary and integrator and things like that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we're, we're, we, we brought in EOS. Um, and I think it, it reinforced some of the work we had already done, which was cool. We, there were some things that we didn't really change. Um, there were different names we put to some of it and a few different, um, you know, the, the five roles under each person, for those of you that are familiar with EOS, there are a few things we moved around, but, but a lot of it stayed really similar. But I think what is really cool to it is, um, you know, the conversations we've had after doing it is having our implementer here 
um, and putting him kind of outside of us. And while he's in the room on a level higher than us, it put even a bunch of bunch of alpha guys and the owner of the company and CEO, COO, we're all at the table a step down from that dude. And while he's in the room, man, he freaking commands the room. I mean, he will, he'll cut you off and he'll tell you, no, take that off your paper. That doesn't fit. Um, it's, it's, that's not how that's going to, I mean, he even said his couple times, well, well, you can do it that way. We're just not going to work together anymore. Like, <laughs> like, I mean, he was, he was sticking to like, this is how EOS works and, and this is why it works. And it is, you know, Hey, this has been done in 10,000 different companies. There's probably a reason that it works. Um, and so that's how we're going to do it. And so, um, we actually have a guy that's, that's getting trained as an implementer as well. Um, we're not going to use him, but we want to be able to, to, to work with other companies doing it too. Um, and so, so yeah, we're going to stick. Cause again, it's, um, it's hard to be a prophet in your own land. Right. And so, so we're still going to use an outside implementer for us that, that we like working with. Um, but, but yeah, we're going to, we're going to try and start bringing that, um, as something that we offer too, because we, we definitely see the value of it. I mean, I think just the, it's well worth the money spent just to have that outside guy that again, can put you all on an equal plane, can drive that conversation and help you pick out those rocks. Um, and then free you up. We, we talked about it too, the, the freedom to say that, okay, of all the great ideas we've got out there, these are the four I'm working on this quarter. Like these, when he comes back next quarter, I don't want to have to walk into a room and tell him these didn't get done. Right. And, and, and I am going to tell other people and we're going to tell each other that when you bring something up, that's not one of these, that's not this quarter. Like I don't, that is a great idea, but I can, I can put it on the issues board and I can take it off my plate for now. Cause it's not what we're doing right now. Um, and it will, um, I, I definitely think it's going to move the, the needle forward in it. It's, um, I can go on and on. It's cool. I use Michael Hyatt's full focus planner is my, my planner every day. Um, and it's a, it's a quarterly planner. I mean, this thing is, um, it's, it's not thin and this is one quarter. Um, so I get mailed one of these every quarter and it's kind of the same thing. Like it's, it's, basic it's like you set annual goals and then you set quarterly you set your weekly big three and then your daily three comes out of that weekly three and so whether it's michael hyatt's planner or another system or eos at the end of the day i mean it's 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 not rocket science like it's basic like you can't get to a hundred million dollar company just because you will it right you got to break that down into digestible blocks um and if you don't you're you're just kind of rudderless, you know, but, but if you can break it down into daily and weekly action steps, that's how you actually move the needle forward, um, and get going somewhere. And so, um, so yeah, I think EOS is a, it's a great way to do it. It's going to, it's going to be massive for us. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. I love the fact that you guys brought in an implementer, you know, and to hear you say that. So I, you know, a lot of people listening to this know that I'm an authorized EOS implementer and we use, EOS inside of our roofing CEO groups, but, but, um, I never, you know, when you said he basically says, we're not going to work together. So EOS worldwide is huge on you not diluting their content at all. I mean, they are fanatical about it because they're basically saying, we know this is a proven system. Keep it pure. Keep yeah. it pure. Do not dilute it with any of your own thoughts. <laughs> Don't yeah. dilute it with anybody else's books. You yeah. Know, so it's so funny to hear you say that he basically yeah. said, hey, oh, that's a great yeah. idea. Put it aside. We're not using it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a couple of things where it's like, that's great. We're just, this will be our last session together. and We just won't work together anymore if that's what you're going to do. Yeah. Right? Like, that so, is so funny. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's like you said, it's not rocket science. It's a proven system. Yep. It's a roadmap. And then it just takes pig headed stubbornness to just follow it. Yep. And I think that's the power behind EOS. When you work with an, an implementer, you got that implementer coming in, keeping you accountable yep. saying, Hey, where are we? You know, yep. we nailed down your issues. We nailed down your goals for the next 90 days, your rocks. How are they, you know, and looking at every person in the room. So that's so cool. I just love that you guys are using that and you're going to use it to help others as well. So that's great. Well, we've talked about um, the scaling to multiple locations with processes. We've talked about goal setting and strategic planning. We've talked about sales compensation and the race to 15. Um, and the last thing that I want you to touch on just briefly before we bring this to a close is training. What is the key to your training process? Yeah. So, um, 
ours is, you know, and it was developed before me. So I, I'm, I'm in the midst of, you know, overhauling it and it'll have my touch to it, um, you know, by this time next year. But I, I you know, I don't want to take credit for setting it up by any means. Um, but we use an online um, learning management system and um, some of it is videos out on a job site. Some of it is videos in the office that are screen grabs, but it's basically something that, that we can log a guy into. And, and again, it's something that um, Hunter will talk about, like, I know he talked about in his breakout at RoofCon and things. And, and I think even from the main stage, but like, it's a, it's a long line of videos, um, that, that we've embedded into this system. Um, it takes you from our mission and culture and vision all the way through, you know, door to door strategies and lead generation and product knowledge and, um, our CRM financing, you know, all that stuff. And so, um, you know, a lot of companies will do like two or three days in the office, you know, in a, you know, maybe we're hiring once a month or once a quarter and we do like a class. Um, we, we don't do any of that. Um, I, I think it's something that I'd maybe like to see us do, like to give us a, a one or two day, like we're sure we're delivering the same quality of product for these handful of topics that we want guys to know right off the rip. Um, but the, the vast majority of ours will stay in that digital platform that again, once we onboard a guy and he's got an email address he can log into it and go through it's, it's called six figure blueprint can go through all that training from start to finish. Um, and by the time he gets done, um, has a good grasp of what he needs to do, you know, out on the streets every day and, and helping folks get their roofs taken care of. And then it also, um, because it's there, they can also come back to it at any point. Right. Like, so if they don't get something in that in-person training, well, then it's just gone. Right. But the video setup, they can always refer back to it. And so, um, and so we have that, uh, that, yeah, I mean, that's it. We have, we have six figure and we're, we're developing, um, again, when we look at processes and repeatability, we're developing eight figure blueprint for managers right now. So how to turn your market into that eight figure blueprint. And so all the things that we've learned along the way, um, and, uh, and yeah, and it's, it's also something that we're white labeling to, to potentially bring to other folks as well. Um, but right now it's, it's set up for, um, internally of cornerstone and, and yeah. That's good stuff. Well, you guys would be a great one to white label it because you yeah. have successfully you you've done it. Yeah. And so so you've got video training online, you got a learning management system there with with follow up accountability, all that stuff. You also have in the field training. And then I think the other piece of it though, so I feel like I feel like most companies do one or the other. They either have the owner has has enough foresight to say, I need to give guys upward mobility and give them the hope of greater income earning potential and the ability to help others. That's good. But usually they don't have solid training in place Mm -hmm. or they have good training, but they really don't have a strong aspect of that upward mobility and mentoring and all that. And you guys have brought both together. Um, So, but I know one of the things you said, you've got the video training and I'm looking at my notes here. You, you said you don't do uh, a day or two in the office, you guys really want them to like start selling roofs within their yep. first week. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, again, does the dynamic change a little bit there if we're kind of starting this canvassing aspect prior to becoming a PM, but yes, up to this point, um, that has always been a goal. It's like, so you get out with whoever your team leader is going to be and start shadowing them. Um, you got to put your knuckles on the door the team leader is there to help you, but but we want you knocking those doors day one, day two, um, and hopefully get your first roof in the pipeline that week because we all know that it takes some time to, to generate a first paycheck, right? We don't do any draws. We don't do a training stipend. Um, and so, so knock that door as quickly as possible. At, at the end of the day, if you knock 10 or 15 on day one, with some basic objection handling, you ought to be able to get on a couple roofs. And if you're in an area where there's damage, you ought to be able to get one signed. And and we generally see that guys can get one signed within their first couple of days. And so then that sets them up, you know, within the next 10 to 14 days, that ACV check is in um, and they're, they're picking up their first check and getting some commission going. And so um, that's, that's definitely our goal. We want them to, to feel that success and to see, um, you know, what the job can pay and, and how it can generate income in their life and, and be, you know, be cha- life changing really, um, you know, again, for a guy that's, that's maybe made 30, 40, $50,000 a year um, to now could be able to come to this. It, so yeah, we, we want that to be pretty quick. Yeah. That's good stuff. 
Well, I really appreciate what you've done here on this this live stream today, and you've unpacked what you guys have done, and it's taken a lot to get there, and a lot of trial and error, and you've you guys have really figured out what's worked, and you've proven it over and over again at multiple locations. There's going to be comments in the Facebook group, so for those of you listening to this to catch these live streams and be able to do Q and A, definitely join our Facebook group, the Limitless Roofing CEO Facebook group. Uh, but before we part, Brad, you know, knowing what you've known, your journey, and what you're doing with Cornerstone. For somebody that's sitting back saying, hey, look, I'd love to scale to another city that's whatever, 10 hours away in another market. What's your parting piece of advice to that business owner? Just do it. Just stop being scared of it. Like you did it once in the city you're in, right? Like, yeah, okay, you need a little bit of cash to get an office, but there's ways around that. I mean, you could, in Little Rock, the first 60 days we were in an Airbnb. Like why, you know, that's maybe $1,500 for a monthly rate for an Airbnb and you don't have to sign a year-long lease. Like, get your licenses, go get an Airbnb, hire a few guys. I mean, I had no problem hiring the first probably six or seven or eight guys in Little Rock by meeting with them at Starbucks and Panera and telling them, hey, we're getting, we're working on getting an office. We're looking at real estate. We're in an Airbnb right now. And we met at the Airbnb every day and we did our sales meetings there and nobody thought anything of it. You know, it's not like they thought, well, these aren't a real company or these guys are, you know, storm chasing or whatever. Um, and so that's what I would say, like jump off a cliff, man. Like you've done it once. If you've got, you had a good profitable year, you've got a little cash stuck back, you know, buy some extra yard signs and some extra shirts and, and find a, find the right leader and go. I mean, I think that's, that's the biggest thing. And I think, I think Hunter would say the same thing. I think that's the only that's why he's successful is he will, he will take the risk and he will jump off a cliff and he'll say, by God, why shouldn't it work? You know, I've, I've done it once. Let's go do it again. You know? And, and there you go. Before you know it, you're six or seven. So good stuff. Well, Brad Barron, chief operating officer, Cornerstone construction. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Excellent interview with Brad Barron. I love that they are running their company on EOS, which again, if you guys want to learn more about that, just reach out to us through our Facebook group, the Limitless Roofing CEO group, and we can uh, jump on a discovery call to learn about how we use EOS in our roofing CEO groups. And I really like what he said about how, you know what, the key to all this stuff is really the kind of culture that you are building and also having a very good hiring and onboarding process. They really have an entire funnel built around getting people in there, making sure they're the right people before they even have an in-person interview. So these guys are crushing it. I think they're an amazing model of business success in the world of general contracting and roofing. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely get to know Brad on Facebook. That's Brad Barron on Facebook and LinkedIn as well. All right, guys, thanks for joining us with the Limitless Roofing Show. My name is Dylan McCabe, and I will catch you in the next episode. Hey.